Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, March 19th. This is episode 189. I am Tony. And I am Dennis. And we're on the precipice of Texas Pinball Festival 2023. As we noted from the last episode, there have been a lot of games that have been dropping and we're expected to continue dropping. And we've got more to talk about. In fact, there's still not everything known yet. <laughs> like Galactic Tank Force still hasn't had its gameplay reveal yet. Right. Uh, but we've had two games that have had that since we did the last episode. And on the last episode, we talked about two games. We talked about Foo Fires and we talked about the uh, the new P3 game, uh, Final Resistance. Mm-hmm. So holy cow, it has been a lot. So before we get into the uh, intro intros, uh, I want to note, uh, we didn't have any new patrons from the, from the last episode. So we're still at 51. So no update necessary there. And now I will say, Tony, what's been going on? Um, I have started playing through Jedi Fallen Order. Hmm. Uh, didn't you play that before? I did, but I didn't complete it. Now I'm playing through it with the goal of completing it. So we'll see how it goes. But it was just easier to start it over because it's one of those where you start playing. It's like, I don't remember any of the controls and I don't remember where I am and I don't remember what I'm doing. So I just started over. So, but... On the Discord, we had a question uh, from Joel Bob asking why we, as in you and I, stopped playing Magic the Gathering. Mm. Because I know we've talked about it in the past multiple times about playing it a lot back in the day. And uh, I have to say, for me, a lot of it was money. Mm. Okay. Money and time. Once, once college got over... It was money and time. Yeah, I um, my issue was was more that when we were in college, which is I, I started playing in high school because we had a friend that right. was really into into magic and kind of got us started, or at least got me started. And then I played a lot in in college, and the reason was you know, we lived off campus. Uh, Tony and I lived in the same apartment one year, and then we lived in the same complex, but in a different apartment. For I was there for three years, so for me for two more years. Yeah. And uh, we knew other people, though, in the air, in that complex that played magic. And so we would get together at people's apartments and we just play like I don't I think I only ever entered into one tournament and that was pre-college. I think uh, the person we knew in high school hosted one somewhere mm-hmm. at one point and I went and, and played in that. So. I, you know, I wasn't ever in the quote unquote competitive scene in any meaningful way. It was always like just local gatherings, local games, and, you know, playing against roommates, playing against former roommates, playing against friends or other people we knew in the complex. And we kind of did what what we call it type zero. So people could, we weren't always having to build new decks. We could play with our older cards because one of the things that I, I was new to magic, so I wasn't. I started to understand that they would release new card sets. And at this time, I understand it's like the mid to late 90s. So the internet for personal use is fairly young. So we were just now learning how to, you know, you'd find out about these sort of things. And you could go to the card shop. We would still get magazines. We'd still get get the, what what was the magazine for magic? Was it Wizard? We'd be in Wizard or something like that? or Yeah. And and there was, and we were living in, in Lawrence, Kansas, which is where the University of Kansas is. And there was a comic book shop that also dealt in magic cards. So we could go there when there was a new edition or new release, a new pack, a new expansion, whatever you want to call it, and get cards. Uh, so the main thing is after college, I no longer was around where people could just walk over, knock on your apartment door and say, hey, let's play some magic. So that's really the main reason for me. I still have m- my cards from the old days. 
and I, I've thought about selling some of the uh, some of those cards, especially the colors I didn't play as much, right? Because I was mostly a, a black and white deck. Uh, you know, I do black decks, white decks, or merged decks were my preferred formats. And the thing is, if I were to go and want to compete, then as you noted, it's a it's the financial uh, com- and commitment because, and I'm not, I wouldn't be too perturbed by that, except the cards are going to go in the box, and it's just like, okay, well, now they're they kept. They kept introducing new abilities and stuff like, oh, look, this thing can planeswalk or whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, if you don't have uh, any of the new cards, even if you're saying, okay, well, I can still play because I'm going to do like type zero games or whatever. I don't have anything that can block the new moves. So you have to buy the new cards to counter <laughs> to counter the other new cards. Otherwise, you're going to lose. And so it's really just sort of that. But it was, it was more logistic for me. It's just I was no longer around other people uh, who were readily accessible to play magic. I had, you know, I was working, uh, and after doing eight hours of that and getting home, I, you know, playing magic, <laughs> playing magic, trying to get together and do something like that versus firing up a video game. Right. Video game was easier. That is, that, that is very valid. Mm. Uh, but, but yeah, between that and the, the sheer cost of magic at a point in time when money was less disposable was, uh, uh, a rough go of it. I, I mean, like you, I still have all my magic. Mm-hmm. I still have all of it. I've and and I have bought new decks and I've bought boosters and stuff off and on. And like I I, I tried to teach the kids to play, but they had either no interest or they just wanted to go play the Pokemon card game because mm-hmm. of their love of Pokemon right. and, and and stuff like that. So I've never really slid back into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, interesting question. I hadn't thought about that one in a while. I did a. Aren't they doing a Lord of the Rings version now? Oh, who knows? I you know I don't know if I could bring myself to get into a different card card game at this point. It's like I had some of the video game versions of Magic and played a number of those. I have too, but they're also collectible, so you have to pay money to get. Cards. Yeah, they got that way. It used to not be. Used right, to be, they'd be it'd be a, a download, and as you did better, you'd unlock certain cards, and you'd go and you'd play through the campaign. I, I wouldn't play them competitively like online. I would just go through the uh, AI campaigns, and then I'd be done. Until the the la- the last one I got, I didn't finish, and so I quit buying any new ones because, like, okay, I'm I got tired of the formula, right? With that with that video game approach, I uh, I can see that. Well, uh, I have finished my video game that I was playing, the Plague Tale Innocence. I did finish that. Uh, okay, I started the last uh, episode, and so I've now wrapped that up. There is a sequel. I don't own that sequel yet, though. So. Uh, anyway, I did enjoy it. I was actually the stealthy parts didn't get excessively like uber stealthy where it's just like, oh, my gosh, I can't I just can't deal with it. They they really mixed up the mechanics all the way through to the end. So so it was nice. It actually it felt it felt very well uh, proportioned in terms of a length of a campaign. So I enjoyed that. And I only have one other thing before we kick into the news uh, section. And that is we on the last episode mentioned that someone had emailed us a whole bunch of mystery steam codes. Yes. And so we had put out a, a proposal uh, for people to give us suggestions on ways we could give out these steam codes and that we would give a steam code to the first person who provided such a suggestion. Well, Stephen H was the first person who, mm-hmm. who did reply uh, with a suggestion. So he has been given a code and he did write back and he said he got the indie game hue H U E. Oh, which, I've heard of that. It's a puzzle platformer. I yeah. think. Um, I've not played it. I am not a 
platformer mm-hmm. guy. Really. I know. I think I still really remember we and local co-op played uh, through Splosion Man. We did, and we and won, that, and we won. So and you, and I and I wasn't a, a completely useless, terrible so, so drag I th- anchor on you guys. You guys, so, I'm sure you guys could have completed it twice as fast so without me. I think deep down you probably are a platformer. <laughs> no, I'm just a Splosion Man. Explode again. Mm-hmm. Loose meat sandwiches. It's such a funny game. Weird, weird. Yeah. Um, so here's a list of the idea. And I, I'm not going to list who, who submitted what, because okay. we had like uh, something like eight different people email in, I think. Uh, and some gave more than one suggestion. So just here are some ideas that were, that were thrown out to us. One was for us to post the name of a video game pinball game, and the audience needs to name what console the game released on and what year it came out. And like the first person to get that right could win a code so that was one idea another one was just suggested just do the the usual you know share post uh comment on the episode like on facebook or whatnot for a chance to win Mm -hmm. could do that another uh listener had suggested that uh listeners should submit their best galactic take force go uh, without losing their recently consumed Taco Bell into their astronaut suit. I believe this was a direct reference to one of the teaser trailers of American Pinball's Galactic Tank Force and some of the antics of said astronaut. So so they wanted an impression challenge that we would pick the winner on. Um, here's another one. Uh, someone suggested that we should pick a jo- an online Java game and tell people they have to send us a screenshot of their high scores and the highest code. Oh, there's an interesting one. I used to do that with uh, a friend of mine, Alan, you might remember, mm-hmm. who we played uh, Warcraft with, uh, World of Warcraft. He and I used to play uh, online Java, like tower defense games, and send each other the high scores to see who could do better at those. Fun. Um, another one is give the Steam keys, just give the Steam keys away to people who write into us who say, that they are willing to play the mystery game, and in exchange, they'll provide us a short review of the game. Either they could email us the review, or they could record a brief audio snippet of just their impressions of the game, ideally with them ultimately saying whether they recommend or don't recommend people get the game. That's a good idea. Yeah, I like that one I like that one. Uh, another suggestion was uh, do some sort of guessing games. And they suggested like one could be have people write in where they need to try and pick one of Dennis's five favorite pinball machines that he has never owned or uh, one of Tony's five favorite video games on, say, the Nintendo console, ruling out ones that you've talked, ruling out games you've talked about, like Battletech and Final Fantasy and stuff. Man, to make it Battletech on Nintendo, that would be wicked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's a very creative one. Someone had suggested we should create por- poetry corner where people need to submit poetry to us and we read them out lo- aloud on the episode and then pick the winner based off whoever had the best slam. I actually really like that one. <laughs> yes, it was very, it's very different. Um, here's another game one. Uh, do a prices right pinball game where, oh gosh, this one, this one will require a lot of work. So the idea would be for, for me, for example, to uh, fire up my streaming rig and record and stream a game of pinball, but I've covered up the score. So people can see the gameplay, but they can't see the score. And then over the course of, say, a week, people need to write in and guess what my score was. Closest score without going over wins a code. Oh. That, I like. I love the idea. I, I hate the idea of putting the stream rig back together because I've disassembled half of it in order to uh, help further my YouTube channel right. stuff that I'm doing. But still, that's that's not a bad idea. No, that's it's a good it's one. Very clever. That's it's very, very clever. clever. Another one is the uh, was someone just saying get and give get give and get a key. 
So people could send us a Steam code, and in exchange, we give them a mystery Steam code. That doesn't really deplete our arsenal of Steam codes, though, so I'm not sure about that one. Uh, another idea was to do a just do a registration form and then randomize and pick members off of that who, who want the codes. And the last idea, uh, <laughs> this is a deep cut too, uh, was have everyone uh, go online and post a picture of a rubber band on social media tagging straight down the middle of pinball show, asking them where the video review with the rubber band collector is. And then we select the a winner out of those randomly. <laughs> and for those that don't know, if you don't watch straight down the middle, uh, which has a lot of pinball content on YouTube, once upon a time, oh gosh, this feels like it was two years ago now, Zach and Greg were talking about uh, the direction of Straight Down the Middle, and Zach had mentioned the plan to kind of broaden it beyond pinball and talk to like collectors in other areas, and the example of a rubber band collector was named. I have <laughs> off and on since then, constantly, including when we went out there for the pinball awards to the Flippin' Out Theater, brought up. When are we going to see the video with a rubber band collector? <laughs> I continue to be met with a non-answer. So perhaps this would finally force that would their finally hand. force it to happen. I don't. I won't count on it. I still also remember the time Zach promised that Cosmic Carnival would be streamed on the Flipping Out YouTube channel, and it never happened. Maybe because the game was broken all the time, and he got rid of it. I don't care. I don't buy excuses. I expect results. That's how we do it at Eclectic Gamers Pocket. So those were the suggestions we got. We got a lot of ideas. Yeah, there's some really solid suggestions in there too that's great well yeah we'll have to pair through and maybe use a couple of them yeah we could do a few of these i i really like the idea let's uh if we get a chance i'd really like us to explore maybe the idea of the java game one yeah uh, for the to to announce on that we obviously have to pick a game so uh, right but doing that i think that one could be a lot of fun uh to java game still a thing even i I think it's Flash that went away, so maybe Java games yeah, can still be. I, I, still, I don't know. I don't. We just have to find something free that anyone could very fairly easily access. Right. So anyway, yeah, I like a, I like a number of these ideas. So thank you everyone who emailed in, and congratulations to all one of you who got a Steam code. Yeah. Now, now, if somebody runs up to Dennis at TPF and says, "Code me, Daddy, code me," we'll get your email and we'll send you a Steam code randomly too. I don't know about that. that's kind of creepy that's kind of creepy that's kind of creepy where's my fursona it's still being worked on okay the creative process i don't want to rush yes uh speaking of rushing i don't want to rush through the pinball section but holy crap do we have a lot do we have a lot of content to get through and i even felt like i've paired some of it back because we just have to be a little judicious with some of this <laughs> and i paired i paired video games down yes I, I saw that i thank you very, very much small because, because the pinball section is I, loaded i sat uh i was working on this section for quite a while yesterday evening um i, I actually did that and then went in and did the other uh stuff later the the all those results on ideas on how to give out the steam codes. Mm-hmm. I, I had to take a break between doing the pinball content and doing that. Cause there's just so much stuff to list. Um, so let's start with Jersey Jack pinball. They, as we noted on the last episode, we knew Godfather was coming, but there wasn't going to be any real uh, gameplay known at the time. So we held off till this episode. 
So we do have more information now. So let's go ahead and give a little bit of a discussion on it. I do have a link in the show notes to a Nap Arcade article about a, a, a lot about Godfather, including where you can access a lot of photos. So feel free to go and look at that, because obviously I can't paint you a very good picture with words, because it takes a thousand words to paint one picture, and we only have so much time. Uh, this pricing is just like Toy Story. So 5,000 limited edition models are being made, or up to that many, will be, will be made at $12,000 a machine. There are 1,000 collector's edition models at $15,000 a machine. The team on this, uh, the game design itself is Eric Minier, uh, who did Guns N' Roses last with JJP. Uh, rules are done by Keith Johnson, uh, who also did rules for Guns N' Roses. Art is uh, Christopher Franchi and Jesper Abels. And the animation, as is, uh, I believe, always the case, or at least often the case with JJP, is John Paul DeWin. Um uh, Gameplay-wise, very, very similar between the two models. The, the collector's edition model... Uh, on the play field. And I've given Tony a couple of images in our show notes, so we don't have to bounce to a lot of web web stuff to see the layouts. The layouts are basically identical. Yeah. The one with Marlon Brando on it is the collector's edition. The one with Al Pacino is the limited edition. You can kind of tell by the gold trim as well. Um, so uh, there's been a lot said uh, about this game. Uh, one of the things that was emphasized is I believe there are 29 uh, different I think that's the amount they said 29 different ball paths. So because they're use of diverters and stuff, the way they're, they didn't count the number of shots. They're counting the number of different ways the ball might return based off of a shot because one shot will have multiple different things that might happen with it. So they've really highlighted that. I also think Keith Johnson in a featurette that uh, straight down the middle put together and you can go to their YouTube. If you want to check that out, it's about uh, that one. I think it's about 30 minutes long. It goes into a lot of details. It's a good video. The, um, I think he said there's something like on the order of two dozen different skill shots as well in the game. Obviously, this is JJP. They do a lot with lighting, a lot of LEDs, a lot of color changing stuff. They have this sort of fancy uh, single pop bumper uh, fountain going on. Uh, interesting little coincidence uh, that I also noticed on this game and compared to Foo Fighters, which we talked about on the last episode, is uh, alley pass targets or Shats targets. Um, I see some here as well. Uh, these actually look less concerning to me in the sense that I don't think these look like they're going to get bent. Whereas I'm like, when I saw the Foo Fighters ones, my concern was, are those going to on, on impacts going to start to bend out and deform? These look, uh, a little safer. Uh, at least it's on the right, the right, uh, right in lane has one, I should say. And they've also got it set up so that the uh, wire form that feeds that right side actually bounces the ball up to hit it. So it's not just for alley passing. It'll actually be hit consistently because of that ramp shot. Um, so that's really all I want to say on it. Uh, I did watch some of the gameplay. Uh, the The rules of this are very uh, video game inspired. Or I, I think they credited board games like Risk. Right. Risk, I heard a lot of people say when they first saw uh, the teaser information because it's about gathering territory and and build you know and dealing with all these multiple families and stuff. But um, the territory control concept is something that's actually really common in mafia style video games. Uh, yeah, it works really well for that. Like if you ever played the games called Mafia, there's a whole series of them. I've played two of them, and that's sort of the the concept is you try and gain more control of territory and you know get recruit you know build up your build up your empire so to speak. Um, uh, the the rules, in a way, the, the approach of it kind of reminds me of Stern Star Trek 
in this case, there's like a stained glass window window uh, above the flippers instead of the little uh, quadrant of different uh, missions. But you do little chunks, and those open up access to like a multi ball and other things as you go around and fill out the stained glass. So I think it's like conceptually, it seems very approachable to me. But uh, what are your thoughts? Art, layout, design? Just I, you know, we're just going to be kind of freeform here. People can go read the specs in the articles. So yeah, no, um, I'm still not sold on the idea of Godfather as a game theme, but from what it sounds like they've done with the rules, I'm, I, I'm actually way more interested in it than I ever thought I would be. I think the art's beautiful. Uh, I like the stained glass motif, uh, in the straight down the middle thing. They, uh, when they talked about it, they talked about that stained glass motif as hell is carried over in a couple places. It's in the, some of the, uh, video back glass stuff. And as well, I, I, I think the machine looks amazing. I think the shots look interesting. Um, The question is, how does it actually play? Yes. And I've heard some uh, people who have had initial reaction to it uh, mention that it does seem to play faster than some other JJP games. That's Uh, always a concern with JJP. Yes. And, and so I will say this is a, an incredibly to me, unique looking layout. Like I thought Foo Fighters looked pretty unique, kind of like, a little weird, which I knew Jack Danger was right. often talking about how he wanted to make pinball a little more weird. This actually looks to me more intriguing than Foo Fighters, but I'm not confident that it will play as well as Foo Fighters looks like it will play. And again, we've not played either of them. So, Correct. And we're hoping to, to get a chance here at TPF. I can't wait to see what the lines at TPF are like. It's going to be so bad. I, I do think the art is well done. <laughs> I, I'm not a, and I mentioned this on a, on a live stream I did uh uh, that I'm not a big fan of the red and, and gold look because I don't really associate it with Godfather. I did have some, I won't name who it is because I'm not sure they, they wanted to be named. I did have someone email me or message me after that um, flipping out a video that I did with uh, Joel Engelberth and a couple of others uh, who showed me like the current Blu-ray box set is using that red and gold scheme. So that was probably a, a dictate. But I think for what Franchi did with it looks good. I yeah. just like my box set is black and gold. And when I think about the movies, I don't associate gold with like, it was one of the things that I thought was interesting in the featurette, uh, uh, the designer, Eric Minier, he dressed up like in this almost like, I don't know if it was a full on zoot suit, but it kind of reminded me of that with a red tie and the hat and he had, but one of the things that I thought was odd was he put on like all these gold rings and stuff. And it's like, but to, and this is a, this is a Dennis nitpick. That's not Godfather's mafia. That's like, sopranos mafia or something that's right. not it's different like they weren't dripping in gold in the in those films like they might have a gold cross to you know in recognition of the catholicism or something but they weren't going around with like all this bling right just dripping in gold uh so i just thought it was a little there's a little disconnect in terms of what type of you know i get it the look was to be a stereotypical mobster but what's funny is that stereotype isn't the same as what's portrayed in the Godfather, because the Godfather is like taking place in the 40s and 50s up through the 60s and maybe the 70s if we stay out away from Godfather 3. And I didn't see any stuff in here from Godfather Part 3. So Good kudos, on them. kudos to them on that. Good thing for I'm glad that they dodged the Toy Story 4 problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Uh, so yeah, no, I overall like I like how the art is integrated in this. I think it's an attractive uh, game to look at. I think that they've they've segmented things out fairly well in terms of like you have the the stained glass is very unique looking uh, style to it. And then you've got the stuff with like the weapons above it as inserts, and then you've got the little map. And they do those, those little tiny like Christmas tree LEDs. So right. that's how they can do the little lights on the little map. lights on the map yep, to light little, little sections. The lights on the map. Uh, the family approach um, again very. You don't get that feel from the movie so much. I mean, you know there are rival families fighting each other, but like giving them sort of a more of an identity, that's a very video game style thing, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, one thing I do want to mention is the CE Topper. Looks really cool. It uh, looks uh, but, uh, and cool. At, at these prices, these are home environment games, obviously. I think that Jer- Jersey Jack's clearly doubled down and said, like, we're done with standard editions. Uh, this is my interpretation. We're done with operators. These are for the home. I got, and I understand how excited Eric was to have figured out it's like a Tommy gun fires 20 rounds a second. And so I've got two different coils, and coils can be fired at, at 10, 10 fires a second. So I've got two different ones. So it goes, I'm like, that's going to be so loud. It's going to be, that's, that that's is going to my be so biggest loud. concern is that it's going to be so loud and so rapid and so jarring. Uh, the, my very first thought when I, when, when I heard that was uh, at one of our local tournament places at one time, there was a road show mm-hmm. that, was pressed, <laughs> I remember that was pressed up against <laughs> the wall and the shaker motor was so powerful that when it when it, the shaker motor on that roadshow fired off, and with how that was pressed up against the wall, the entire place shook. People in the other dining area, because it was because it was a split, the pinball was in a split off separate mm-hmm. area, could hear it going. And, and that was my very first thought when I heard about yeah. these knockers going that fast. It's like, oh no, that's gonna hurt. Yeah, the uh, the <laughs> the operator in that instance, I remember he he mentioned, yeah, the the owners of the pizza place asked him to pull it yeah. pull the game there were too many complaints <laughs> yeah, like, I, yeah i yeah i understand I, and i i mean i it should have been pulled because it was roadshow in the first place but <laughs> and thus uh, i win no matter what um <laughs> but I, I will so that so i mean audibly I mean, that, that's a concern now that might be great for like at tpf where it'll stand out but i'm trying like if i had it down in my little room where, where the walls are so close together i'm like i i would oh, be able it'd to be take deafening. it hopefully because, hopefully it can be shut off yeah, it can be. I've okay. heard, it can be shut off. Just, Just like, hopefully I, I can shut off the electric guitar mm. version of the theme because oh. it just... Okay, so you want to talk a little bit about the music? <sighs> oh, No one wrote in and complimented my rendition that last time. I mean... <laughs> so I'm not going to give you any more of it right now because now I just remembered and I got sad. You got sad that nobody... Nobody complained, but nobody said you said good stuff. So like, how could you complain? It was exactly the same. If anything, it was better than the actual. <laughs> it, that's one. Like, I understand. It's like, I mean, I like the Godfather theme mm-hmm. in its original format. Mm-hmm. The electric guitar rendition is like nails on a chalkboard to me. Did you get the kind of impression of, hey, we know Slash, so let's... That's exactly what it felt like. That's what it kind of feels like. I I mean, and and it hurt because in the... Watching the Straight Down the Middle video, mm -hmm. like the entire first section of it is like the entire song. (laughs) Yes. 
Now, purportedly, they have like an orchestral version that they did as well, including one where someone, I've not heard it yet, where some guy sang it. Well, that'd be, I mean, that sounds amazing. An orchestral version of it sounds great, but that just, it was just so jarring. It was, I had to power through the opening of that video Mm. because by halfway through the opening, I was ready to turn it off Mm. because it hurt my ears so bad. I just, for me, it's just a little anachronistic. Like it just doesn't, again, that's not, it just doesn't fit the era. Right. But I get it. I I also get it. It's pinball and doing things like it depends what we'll forgive. Like for example, in in Stern Godzilla, you can choose, like I have it on the, you know, kind of the blended version, but you can go back and listen to the original, uh, not 54 version. You can also go and do like the full metal version. Yeah, that, uh, and so, which I tried, and I was like, eh, it's a little, little much for me. But uh, yeah, no. Also, uh, you know, the music aspect reminds me of the callouts. I've heard that the scene integration and clips from the film, like the audio from the film, excellent, and they've done a very, a very good job with it. And they have a lot from the film, so like they probably won't be, won't be compl- like they have. You know, you got Brando parts, you got Pacino parts. They got. They really bragged on that in the featurette. This isn't going to be Halloween, is right, what right. you're saying. And JJP, by and large, I think has done pretty good on license acquisition with what I don't always agree with the licenses that they pick, but they've been like, f- like full bore, like, like you don't get, uh, what Willy Wonka without Gene Wilder, right? Like they, they have that. So, so I'm not surprised at that. That they were successful, and I under- and they're understandably proud of that. I have heard though. Because obviously, a lot of these people, uh, I don't, I don't think they got anyone from the films to do callouts though. And obviously, you have to have callouts. And the Godfather movies don't have like things you can just repurpose as callouts <laughs> for a lot of the pinball stuff. For you know, it's uh, I mean the part where Mario have- I'm gonna make him a jackpot. He can't refuse. Multi-bar. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's like, don't you ever betray the family or the hurry up again. <laughs> you know, it's just not gonna, it's just not happen. So uh, what I've heard is the custom stuff, um, I heard this on Slam Tilt Podcast. I think this was uh, Ron Hallett, uh, Ron Hallett's reaction. I respect Ron Hallett's opinion a lot. We align on a lot of our thoughts on pinball. So uh, it's very over the tarp- top New York. Oh. Like, it's like shoot the wamps would be my impression of it. It's like shoot the wamps. I'm walking here. Guy. I'm walking here. Hey, well, yeah. Hey, you're gonna sleep with the fishes. Bibbidi bobbidi boo. Are, are you a wise guy? Am I a clown to you? Do, I know that. Do I amuse you? That would be good. Forget about it. So so anyway, so I'm like, uh, Gosh, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of, um, again, I have not sat there and listened to to a bunch of those to make my own judgment on that yet. But that description very much reminds me of my reaction to Stern's Jurassic Park callouts, which I hate. Yeah. It's just like, it's, it's like <laughs> we have to, Nedry has sabotaged the system. Oh, has he? Has he really, sir? <laughs> Tell me more. Ah, fun times. So anyway, uh only other thing I want to mention about JJB before we go ahead and move on, um, and I'm hoping we'll have more feedback once we get a chance to play it, uh, for for obvious reasons, is they dropped Scorbit. Uh, apparently, that came up on a on a live stream. Maybe it was announced elsewhere beforehand. Uh, I didn't see this this stream where it was brought up, but the JJP team was on a, on a, like a Twitch stream to talk about the game, and it just sort of like got casually mentioned. Yeah, that the 
And Scorbitt's put out some more information. So the way it sounds, and apologies, this might not be 100% accurate because I did not go and build this out in my notes ahead of time. But as, as I understand it, the person who was at JJP that Scorbitt worked with for Scorbitt Integration has left JJP. I don't, I don't know the reason. And then Scorbitt reached out to JJP after that because they were pushing some new update stuff that they that they were working on and they wanted to get those that updated into the JJP systems and JJP was basically non-responsive and then Scorbit kind of followed up again later and and I I guess offered to do the programming for JJP and then I guess they finally heard back from JJP and JJP said nah just forget about it forget about it so I you know I mean, what that means what does it mean they're making their own version. That is a a common suspicion. Um, it's working out so well for Stern. A lot of people do like. I mean, it's fun getting blukes. As I, blukes I call them blukes from the old 360 days. I love achievements, and uh, it's I've fun. Got, I've got my I've got my thing saved to my phone, so I can just yep. go blip blip. Yep, blip. I have a picture of my. Uh, my on my phone of my uh, QR code, yep. and then I've got I even got you on the home team here, so you don't even have to use the phone if you want to play Deadpool or Godzilla here because you yep. can just hold the flipper button. Boop. And uh, I, in fact, because I forgot, uh, Tony went and played a pinball tournament yesterday. I forgot it was the third Saturday. I completely forgot, and he messaged me. And when I saw the message, it was about eight minutes until start time, and I was like, I can't make it. I'm over fifteen minutes away. Yeah. So. Uh, I actually went downstairs though and played pinball because I'm like, you know what? I haven't played in a long time. Yeah. I really need to. So well, I played that w- all of my, I played about 15 to 20 games, I'd say, but I played all seven of my games. And, and that had been my thought is I hadn't played. It's like, we're going to TPF. Mm-hmm. I haven't played pinball since we were in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of wanted to get out of that. Cause last week, my whole family was sick last weekend. So I was like, I just, I just want to get out of the house and go. Yes. Go do something. And I completely meant to send a message earlier in the day and I forgot about it. And then when I was there, everyone's like, is Dennis coming? I'm like, mm. I forgot to send him out. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I, I played some Overwatch too. Uh, actually, what I, was, what I was doing when I got your message was I just wrapped up my games for that. And then earlier in the day, I did some more, well, another watch live stream because Watches and Wonders, their big convention is coming up and I wanted to do some prediction stuff. And it, that took a, you know, an hour yeah. or something and all that. And so I, I have my excuses. But anyway, um, and I got an achievement last night on uh, for beating Ebera without... Uh, I swear I've beaten. I must not have been signed in or something. I swear I had beaten Ebera before without losing a ball. But anyway, uh, I don't know. So I did. So I was like, "Yes, Duke." I mean, I don't always pick the, fighting the crab as my first option, but Bluke. I was like, "You know what? Crab, crab people, people, crab people." So, uh, yes, a lot of people are thinking JJP is is wanting to develop their own system. The other thought is uh, they don't need it. So why have anything like? It's like Those Scor- are both valid. Like Scorbitt's not getting that, like dealing and having to maintain the Scorbitt thing doesn't get them anything. Like it's not getting them more sales. Um, I I do want to ask, what do you think about the future of Scorbitt? Obviously, originally they weren't partnered with anything. I do believe they are partnered with American Pinball. I'm not positive on that, but I do believe they're with them to provide uh, you know s- s- integrated service. And I guess there wasn't any cost with JJP like. M- I per Scorbit, I believe, if someone described it, and I'm remembering correctly, uh, that they they weren't charging JJP to have Scorbit integrated into the JJP games. 
So I'm assuming the same arrangement exists for American Pinball, but that's the only one I know of. Now, you can put Scorbit in anything and it will because the whole thing with Scorbit's main thing that I remember when it got announced is you can integrate it into basically any game and it will be able to electronically capture the score. So it's like really good for tournament software. But it also, in those instances, has like monthly fees. So what are your thoughts on the future of Scorbit? I forgot they existed. I've never used it. Until I saw this note. I had to think about it when I saw this note. I'm like, Scorbit, what the crap is Scorbit? Isn't that 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 that, that Stern-like thing? Yeah, it's, it's not an achievement. Th- well, I guess they, they do have achievements. I apologize. They do have achievements. I've heard that, uh, I've heard, and again, this is like one or two people's impression, that the achievements aren't particularly well integrated, like well thought out, versus right. how like Stern clearly has their their rules people putting some thought into right we remember that in the old days like oh yeah. achievements were first like new to xbox and steam like some of the achievements were just like really dumb like no one knew how to do it you jumped four times yeah yeah, yeah or or you'll you know you'll have uh like block the like do something that you don't normally do but a ridiculous number of times so it's almost impossible to get uh and later on they started to be like doing clever things like hey if you accomplish this fairly challenging thing you get this, yeah. yeah, and then you, and then you, and then you get the achievements that are the ones that make you cry because they're they're like you've run the equivalent of one thousand miles in the game, and you're like, how many hours have I spent playing mm-hmm. this game? Yeah, so it's very judging. Yeah, it's very. Stern has a few bad. of those too. Like, Congratulations, <laughs> you've destroyed fifty Godzilla buildings. Like, yeah, but I don't destroy the building every game, so sort <laughs> of scary. All right. uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure about the longevity of Scorbit would be my take. I think that they are longevity for the fact that nobody really I mean maybe I'm wrong. I didn't remember they existed. You had never have never used it. Uh I don't think I've ever talked to anybody where in our conversations we've talked about Scorbit in any way shape or form. The the I think the issue is the biggest attraction about Scorbit in my view as an outsider is its ability to integrate with essentially any solid state era game and take those scores and simplify score recording. How many people need that? Not very many. How many people are using it? I think Carl D'Angelo uses it for his uh, big pinball show out in uh, what never drains in Southern California in disc. Yeah. I think it's used there. I don't know about anyone else bothering using it. Most people just get scorekeepers and just have them go and record it because do you want to pay monthly fees for your vast collection? I mean, it's monthly fees. And at least right now, Stern isn't charging monthly fees and Insider Connect is coming with all the new Stern games now. And you can put it into any of the Spike games that had already come out, at least any of the Spike 2 games, I should say. Right. So given all of that, when most of the commercially operated games are Stearns already and they have their own solution that, okay, so it doesn't integrate to your little scorekeeper app, but it's just not, it's just, it's just not worth the money to most people. Right. I remember seeing the fees and I was like, this is, I would, you'd, I'd have to use it all the time. Otherwise I'd feel like I was being ripped off. Like just me, like me, I, and I have to do this assessment with all sorts of stuff like streaming, like uh, StreamYard, the streaming software I like right. to use for YouTube. I use a free version. I thought about not using the free version so I could get more than six people in, but the free version lets you do 20 hours a month, and the non-free version would probably cost me like $600 a year. So it's like, 
Uh, you don't do enough. No, I, I don't make I don't make six hundred dollars doing <laughs> the streams, so it's not worth it. So it's the same sort of thing. If it's not going to like get you out of like if you were paying scorekeepers and it was cheaper to pay for a year's worth of scorebit, it's but it's just that's where I think that their model. I always wondered if their model would be viable. Um, having companies adopt it. And not costing people could help get people addicted to it. But right. with JJP dropping it, and let's be frank, JJP is a far bigger producer of games than American Pinball is. I just, we'll have to see. They may, Scorbit may pivot in some way to, uh, to do something, but uh, but I this isn't a good sign for them. No, I wouldn't think so. But, uh, you know, I don't know. They're very smart people that work on Scorbit. So we'll see what they decide. So speaking about American Pinball, because we did bring them up a little bit with Scorbit. Yeah. Uh, I, I do want to note that there is more information. There have been more reveal trailers since our last episode about Galactic Tank Force. I don't want to talk about the... They haven't done the official gameplay reveal yet. That's this week. And because we've got so much other stuff, right. I don't want to spend a bunch of time talking about Galactic Tank Force, the Dennis Norman design game, right now. That being said, uh, I did figure... We could maybe spend a little bit of time about the, the upper-end model uh, folding down into a tank. Uh, so I've, I've included a little image so Tony could remember what it looked like. Uh, no, I didn't need it. it. It's burned into my yeah, soul. It's. What are your thoughts about this? The, uh, for those that don't know, we're looking at the picture of the snap. This was from um, Nap Arcade has this on, on one of his articles. Uh, it's out of the video, of the teaser they did, where you see Dennis Norman like lifting up the flap, the hood, the hood of the tank. Well, he's got the ice cream cone in the other hand. You'll remember because he's really hamming it up in the video. So. Yes. So. What are your thoughts about the, just the the idea of the cabinet turning into a tank? It's unique. Is that is that a good way? That's an accurate description. I, I don't. I have a hard time seeing very many people actually using this functionality. How many people fold down their cabinet heads all the time? Uh, well, I guess people who buy and sell games a lot might. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe just for the look, but then you have to go through the hassle of setting everything back up to play. So I don't know. I, I, I think it's one of those, a, somebody had an idea that they thought was cute. And it's not horrible, terrible, but I just don't know how useful it really is. It is, is the is. most adorable tank I've ever seen. It is. It looks like... Okay, I'm going to put on my geek hat. It looks like some of the late World War One French tanks. That's like right. The I, was World War I wasn't that specific, but, but yeah, I was thinking this looked, reminds me of a World War One tank. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's, got, it, it's got that kind of feel like the little, the little cute French tanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it does. That, that is very true. I mean, but. yeah. Uh, I think if someone had the space where like in the video, it's all by itself kind of stand. Like I could see it. If you're like, I'm not going to play it all that much, but I've got a space, a space where it could really like, if you've got like a little sci-fi shrine in your house and you just have this right. floor space, to, I could see that where you want a little adorable space tank. I could see that's about it. That's about it. Cause otherwise, I mean, they, they did emphasize how there's going to be a model that's going to look like all the others in terms of the, you know, if you want your, your lineup to look identical. That's the appeal to the Zach minis of the world. I don't care if my, my lineup is whatever games they are. I don't mind that. It looks weird. I just like you, I'm like, but how often am I going to go to the trouble to, I, I turn off the games when I'm done. I don't want to fold them up when I'm done. Right. I'm very lazy. Well, so. and looking at it with the way the, the turret 
sticks up out the back of the back box, I mean, how annoying is that going to be because you have to push it farther away from the wall than normal? Mm. Where your other back boxes might be almost in contact with the wall, so you'd have this one machine that's stuck out farther than the rest of your row. Yeah, it's uh yeah, it's yeah. There are a few things about it that that could be a little challenging. I think Dennis Nordman, way back when he was getting into the industry, I think he had designed a cabinet, was one of the things like before he was working in the in the pinball field. So I'm assuming this is probably something where it goes back to how he's thought about cabinet design for a while. This is all speculation. I haven't heard him confirm this, but that's my my take on it. My actual suggestion would be to develop a plushie of this uh, tank. Oh, that would, yeah. Uh, of this cabinet and to have them as like little plushes because uh, my my biggest concern with this isn't that, I'm, I'm fine that it exists. The, the only thing I wonder is, was it really worth the production cost to do all of this? Like it's a, the Jurassic Park, you, you know, you wanted to see if you could, not if you should sort of, that's, that's the question. Now, really, a little plushy, like keychain size plushy, one of the little ones, like they make for backpack hanger. So you can put mm. the, the key for the, for the, uh, on it yeah oh yeah the coin door key the coin door um, key yeah that's a good idea the i i did hear though uh i believe a year or two ago david fix had already mentioned this though maybe not specific to this game but i i guess it was confirmed by uh, christopher franchi who also did the art for galactic tank force in addition to, to godfather uh that there will be lunch boxes i'm assuming maybe at tpf so think about if you want a lunch box oh man I'm, 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 I, I am. Cause I'm, I probably, I mean, I haven't played it yet. I'm, I'm so chopping I don't know. The bit. I, I, I'm not currently thinking I'm in the market for a galactic tank force pinball. I'll have to see how it plays. If it's at TPF and it, it might win me over. Cause again, I don't really care about the theme If the game's right. fun. I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to, but you know what? They might get some money out of me for, I don't know if I'm going to buy a lunch box. Cause I don't really pack my lunch much. <laughs> don't you want, you don't want to walk up into the Senate. It with comes your with a little galactic tank. Force. You know what? <laughs> As bad as they sometimes treat me, they can they can look at my little cute Galactic Tank Force lunchbox, and I can sit there while they pass their nonsense in front they're, of me. They're, they're sitting there berating everybody, and you're just sitting there eating a eating a little little ham yeah. salad sandwich yeah. out of your toolbox. Do you, do you know nom, one of the? Nom. Oh gosh, this is such an aside. This is such an aside. <laughs> you know, one of the things that tilts me the most about the Kansas legislature, you go into those hearing rooms and there are signs that say in the audience, you aren't allowed to have food or drink. And they sit up there and they eat and they drink. You know what? No. How about no? They're better than you. You know, some of them do think that. Yeah, they make it very obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tony's probably referenced to my. I had a hearing earlier in the year where they didn't call me out specifically, but there were only three of us who spoke, and the senator kind of went on a rant about how much hubris we had to come and oppose his bill. And I was like, mm, I usually only hear that in pinball, but okay, <laughs> I, guess I guess I get it on another spot. How dare I you? Like, I didn't think my comments were that dripping with hubris, but uh, maybe, maybe you know, I don't know. Um, so Chicago gaming company, I want to jump to them now, Tony, because they had a reveal. This was the surprise. We've been hearing about this on our very own rumor corner. Yes, we had for, for a while now, but, uh, Pulp Fiction has been revealed. They have, uh, uh, I have a link in the show notes to a Napa Arcade article about this. So people can go and look at photos. Uh, they highlighted uh, two editions. There's the special edition, which is an $8,000 game. And then the limited edition, which is called the Bad Mother Flipper limited edition. 
at uh, $9,500. That one is limited to 1,000 units. My understanding is there's also what they would consider a standard edition, but I think it's basically the special edition with a different coin door, one that can like accept a dollar bill acceptor, so something a little more operator-oriented. Um, this is actually a Mark Ritchie design. This is the first game he has done in, I believe, over 20 years. Uh, David Thiel did sound. Uh, David Thiel is who did Stern Star Trek sound and uh, and a few. He other. does good work. Yes, yes, very good work. Uh, Josh Sharp, who is working with Lyman Sheets on the new revised rule set for Cactus Canyon remake for CGC, he's responsible for the rules on this, and the art is by someone named uh, Scott Pit- Pitluski. I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. So I've included a couple of of images in our. Uh, in our sh- our internal notes, right? Uh, but uh, there was also a, a straight down the middle featurette that, if you want to go to the straight down the middle, is YouTube. This one's long. This one's almost an hour. Yeah, it's super long. I've I watched about half of it. I watched uh, all of it. Okay. So so we've seen uh, shots made. We've seen some explanation of the rules. I just I skipped through some of the back. I actually skipped through a lot of the uh, explanation on the sound. Um, so. This is a very, very throwback looking game. And that was what the rumor was, though. Initially, when I heard about the throwback style, I thought it was going to be like EM. This is actually like System 11 era, like alphanumeric displays um, uh, going on in the back box. There is no there is no LCD anywhere. There's not going to be movie clips. There's a lot of movie quotes, audio from the films. And the art style is very 90s throwback that hand-drawn 90s style like we'd see with the old screen see, printing that, that's that was the i believe i don't remember if i read it somewhere but someone else's comments was that it feels like a a 70s era machine with 90s era art so i think it looks good and yeah i do too i actually really like the art apparently uh from what i've been hearing this game on like pre-sales are is doing really good. Yeah. Really good. So, and I was surprised at this because, all right, it's basically, it's not, it's, is the game single level? And not really. It looks it on first glance. They got some stuff though. That's actually working up and little like there's a little ramping in the back and, and, they and got there's a subway. Stuff. Yeah. They got some other stuff going on. So it's more than meets the eye. And one of the things that was really emphasized in that featurette which I thought was fascinating. I think it's part of the reason why there's so much interest in this is they've done some other things that are very modern. Like we wouldn't expect a system 11 game to have that briefcase open up and glow yellow and, and turn around and, and they've got that stuff going on, but it feels to me like the rules are approachable, like a nineties a game or late eighties game would be. And I got to admit that alone is extremely attractive. It to is me. very attractive. I don't know if my mind is just rotting with age decaying and the ability to remember things, but I, I'm very, I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting more and more sensitive to convoluted rules. And I know when you own a game, it's a lot easier to dive in and understand rules. But part of the reason why I like Godzilla and Deadpool is I think their rules are relatively approachable for mm-hmm. modern era games. Uh, whereas games like Sinbad and Hoops are extremely easy to explain yes. and understand. And this kind of feels like it's maybe in between those spaces. Um, and then just relying on this immersion in, in the film, but also immersing you in this late 80s, early 90s pinball experience when you look at first glance. But it's got other little modern uh, 
contrivances that we like to see that's you know elevates it that's my sense i'm actually really excited to try this one this looks i'm super excited this looks pretty good the uh uh that old school three color Mm. uh cabinet art yeah it's got we've seen so many fancy cabinets and so many this this literally three colors it's black red yellow and it is amazing looking it just screams nostalgia and it looks great I love the cabinet. And and I like the story about how the, the original plan on the back glass was to do the famous movie poster, mm-hmm. uh, but that uh, Tarantino was like, no, he didn't want it like that. And so then they did, okay, well, let's do something kind of like we would do in the in the 80s. It looks cool. It does. It looks super scene. cool. Yeah, the dance scene. Um, they're not the they're not they're not the hyper realistic mm-hmm. or photo realistic that we've started to see as very common even yep. in the drawing. It's all it it still has that old it it for the desire to punch the buttons of the um, nostalgia, they did a great job. And in the in the video, they talked about how like the old school uh, score don't the old school they don't they don't even make that type of display. Yeah, yeah they does. don't do they don't do the the plasma ones yeah, anymore. They don't do the they they don't do that, but they were able to come up with a way to make LEDs look like it, mm. and it does look like it. Yeah, at least and, in the pictures. Yeah, and I, I'm not. I, and I remember that part in the featurette. And I, I'm, I'm, t- I'm not too surprised because uh, I view like my firepower I used to have. I replaced because one of the displays went out. Those those high voltage uh, plasma gas displays. Mm-hmm. So uh, I replaced that with an LED Wolfpack kit, and it, it just looks it looks it looks authentic. Or yeah. to me, it did. It just looked like they were fresh, like they were brighter yep. because they were fresh. Nope. but it looks good. Uh, yeah, and also without the super loud clicky clacky, pretty nice topper too. Yeah, add. You know, they rotate the, the it's, it's Travolta and Thurman dancing. So that famous scene and, uh, they move around at certain points and, uh, otherwise it's just got like the, you know, the, the slims, uh, neon sign in the back. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, it's, I, I'm almost afraid that I'll like it too much. Well, and, 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 and you are, you are, a uh, Tarantino fan. I am. I actually did not like Pulp Fiction the first time I saw it because it's nonlinear. Yes. Yep, that it grew on me. It's a, it's not my favorite film, uh, but it's extremely quotable as most it, of his movies are. Right. Yeah. No. It's uh, I just, I'm actually, it's less that it's Pulp Fiction and just more that it looks like this. Yes. It's it's, it's kind of got that nostalgia play while still being a modern game, without going to the over the top like some of the other. Uh, nostalgia type games we've seen in the last, you know, decade. It, what I, what I think it might fundamentally be for me is, and I've talked about it on the show a few times, um, is especially pre pandemic. I really argued that I thought there was a space in this market for something that was kind of like, and this is different, but, but this is where I'm going with it. Kind of like the old street levels that Gottlieb did. Now, in those instances, I were thinking. I think I was thinking things more throwback, more basic rules, cheaper also because of that, and and seeing you know it wasn't done all the time that that might have success. Now, this is not a street level game. No, the price is not a street level price, but it's not a ridiculously high price. No, it's not. I mean, the what's what's the MSRP on a on a Stern Pro now? I think it's around seven thousand, and so this is at eight, so it's a thousand dollars more, and you might. 
you might look at it on first glance and be like, well, it doesn't have the LCD. So it's not going to have like movie clips and stuff in it. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff on the play field. Yeah. So uh, just like with, you know, that's something I probably should have brought back up when we were talking about uh, Godfather. But one of the biggest issues I thought with Toy Story 4 is at $12,000 and $15,000, when you look at that play field, it doesn't feel like you see $12,000. You might not see $12,000 with Godfather, but it feels like you see more than you do with Toy Story. And that visual perception is a big deal. Yeah. That was one of the complaints I think that was commonplace with a lot of Steve Ritchie's Stern games. People look at the play field and like, I don't see the bill of materials on the play field. And you look at an Elwin game and it's like, you do, you see the moving building, you see the rotating uh, shield bank, you see the spinners and you're like, I see it's like, it's above the play field. So you feel it. Right. And in this case, I think they've got it in a way where it, it feels like it's there. Like you, you're not, you're not feeling like a stretch. And to be fair, CGC has not been the most gougy on pricing in the first place. So, no. So given all of that, yes, I, I'm I'm very intrigued about this, mostly because the throwback style is something I've sort of argued that I thought had a place in the hobby. I, I approached it a very different way, though, so I don't want to. This isn't exactly what I was thinking of, but uh, I'm I'm kind of excited that I'm hearing that the sales on it are strong, because when I heard about it and then even saw it, I thought. I don't know how many people are going to say no. I'm not buying. I'm not paying eight thousand for an alphanumeric. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Of all of the games that have been announced, this is the one I'm most excited to see at TPF. If it's there. Yes. Yeah. This is the, the I have more interest in this than all the others put together. Mm. I can see. I'm, I got to admit, I'm still very intrigued because I haven't really explored looking at, I've seen images of, a bit of the play field, but there's still a lot about GTF uh, that I'm curious about. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I'm curious. But, but, but this has made the best impression of it. And part of that is, this is where theme can make a difference. Well, I love the Godfather theme, but I don't like it for pinball. I don't know the Foo Fighters, so that theme does nothing for me. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, moving on, Turner Pinball. I don't know if we've ever, maybe one time we talked about Turner Pinball. Um, all right, Turner uh, is the company and guy that was responsible for a lot of the software that work that was going on for Deep Root Pinball. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So during the uh, liquidation bankruptcy stuff that's been happening, Turner actually acquired a lot of the deep root assets. Uh, the first thing that was uh, like, he got like the life insurance policies, I believe that were in the portfolio of deep, of the deep root fund. And then he also bought a number of the, of the pinball pinball items. And he did announce months ago, that he he had established Turner Pinball and that he was going to do something. So based out of Texas, so TPF is a close show, uh, and he has come out, he put out a little video and has noted that he's going to be at TPF and he's going to have a prototype of something. And I, I've, A food truck. I I don't know if it's going to be a license that, <laughs> that, that Deep Root was working on. I would actually advise that it not be. But, yes. But... Uh, you know, given what assets he did acquire, it, it could very well be that he wants to just finish bringing some of the stuff to fruition. Um, I I don't know. There was a picture of him with a prototype. I didn't spend any time like trying to determine if it was something I'd already seen before because we saw a lot and the like out of the auction sale. Photos. Right. So just FYI, that will be there. I I'm not going to commit to playing a prototype. I normally, honestly, do not care about prototypes. Like it's just not like. 
I might go and play in the homebrew section, but like, right. I just, it's just, I mean, there's so much other stuff. This is, I'm assuming he's doing this cause it's relatively local. Cause otherwise this is not the show to bring something to. I, I mean, I mean, if we, if we're going to, if we see all of this stuff there, you got to think about I mean, like final resistance, foo fighter, Scooby-Doo, which is, I think this is going to be the second show Scooby-Doo's been at. Yeah. Um, uh, Pulp Fiction, Godfather, and Galactic Tank Force. This deck is stacked. This is not the time to be bringing your white wood. Oh no, in my opinion. Yeah, but we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I I I'm curious to see. I have my little my little fold up chair already picked up. Mm. So that because the way these lines are going to be. Oh, I'm not looking forward to that part. In fact, <laughs> what I'm thinking TPF might be. Uh, for me in the terms of the show space is probably standing in line for these games throughout the day. And I don't even know if I'm really going to play all that much else. It's gotten to the point of course, and that's not a criticism. This is, this is part of the reason why we, we like to go to TPF, but as the, as we've done the show year after year and, and the audience has grown, we get a lot more people that come up and want to talk to us about mm-hmm. pinball. And so we don't actually play a lot of pinball at TPF. Whereas the first couple of years we played a lot. Yeah. It was continuous. Yeah. We would play from open to close. Yeah. And so, and while we've always done the show ever, ever since we, we, we had the show started before we had gone to TPF, uh, it's just, it's bigger than it was. So we, and, and we like that part of it. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to make it sound, I don't want people to think, oh, I can't go up to Dennis. He wants to play a game. Yeah. No, just, please feel so, free to come up to us. So yeah. Uh, that's, that's the part we enjoy the most. That's why we try and get to one big show a year. Right. Uh, so, because we know we don't get to a lot of the stuff and it's, I just, I, 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 I have a collapsible chair now mm. because I know I'm going to need it. <laughs> yeah. And I meant to, I realized I was going to say it in my intro last episode and then uh, I didn't. Uh, and so I edited out the part where I was going to reference it. Cause we were talking about, I was, we picked up the, you know, a few more Patreon people there and I'd mentioned the, Oh, don't worry. We're still far away from the, from the 60 to have to do another 5k. I have not been able to run for two weeks. Is it still bothering you? It's not as bad, but yeah, I, I think I have piriformis syndrome is my guess because it, it, so for you know, the listeners, like, why is he dropping this in the pinball section? I got to drop the heavy stuff in here now. So yeah, I had gone out running and uh, my my sciatic nerve, I think is what it is, uh, started to hurt a different spot than it used to. And But I thought it was a tendon originally. And I, I did about a mile and a half and it just, it really hurt. I had to stop. I had to stop because I was doing about, I was doing 5Ks at that point. Right. And I had to stop and I could barely walk up the stairs. Uh, that calmed down after a couple of days. But it still, it still is irritated. So I'm doing stretches and strengthening exercises on the piriformis because normally that sort of pain, as near as I could tell, is one of two things. One would be a disc, but it doesn't hurt for me to sit. Right. And I wasn't sitting well. Yeah, I wasn't sitting well to injure it or anything. I was actually doing activity. The other is if you go, if you run too far past your proper range, your piriformis could swell up, and that will pinch the nerve. Um, so my piriformis is probably just not strong enough on that side. So I'm doing more exercises and, and it feels better, but it's not all the way better. Are we going to be able to walk to dinner yeah, on no, Thursday I, night? I've been walking again. Okay. I can walk. That's fine. I'm my, you only, don't have to walk fast. I don't no, walk fast. I've even tried to walk at a faster speed and it'll be like, my only concern is I have to make sure I don't make the piriformis swell again. That's why I have not right. run. But I'm worried because I'm going to, it's like, I'm going to lose all my distance is my, yeah. I don't know how badly. Normally, if you do your distance one time a week, I don't, I think you can maintain is from what I read. So I've only gone a week without, uh, but I might start trying to do like a mile or a mile a half again and see if I'm okay. 
Uh, and if it starts to feel a little bad, just walk. Um, but anyway, no, walking's fine. Okay. In fact, I'm supposed to walk. It's supposed to, I need okay. to, I need to keep using it. Because so. you don't have to walk fast because yeah. I don't move fast. But I'm just like, <sighs> no, initially after the first day, I'm like, oh my gosh, this, if this, I will be so non-functional at TPF if it was as bad as it was the first day. It is no, I can. Yeah, I'm okay to. I even went and wa- I walked. Uh, I walked three miles this last week, and it was like, it was my leg was getting a little irritated at having to go the distance, but the nerve was fine. That's good. So yeah. All right. So uh, anyway, uh, back on topic on TPF that doesn't involve pain. Uh, we did do a poll on our Patreon asking our Patreon members, what did they think would steal the show at TPF? Now, unfortunately, I made this poll before we knew everything, like Pulp Fiction. We did not have uh, Pulp We actually had that on last episode's Rumor Corner, that it was going to be at TPF. Right. But, <laughs> it dropped right. almost immediately yeah. afterwards. But, uh, but, but, not, but not before I made the poll. So uh, we got actually had 28 people vote in the poll. Okay. And so here are the results. The winner of which was going to steal the show was Foo Fighters with 36% of the vote. But Godfather was really close at 32%. Oh, that is close. Yep. And then Galactic Tank Force took third at 25%. Final Resistance from Multimorphic tied uh, at 4% with those who thought none of these are actually going to really stand out above the other. And uh, nobody chose Scooby-Doo. And I also had an option to choose this one if you think it's a game I didn't put in the list, which would have thus included Pulp Fiction. No one picked that category either, though. So those were those initial thoughts. And then the last pinball item is uh, Jake D asked us this question from our Facebook page, and I thought it best to answer it on the show rather than uh, just reply on Facebook. Uh, And here's what he wrote. Dear Dennis and Tony, I just listened to this episode, and this was our last episode, that's enough why. And on note, and on note, along with all of the other podcasters as well, commenting on it being such a bad idea for all the manufacturers revealing all these new games at the same time, I have a counter argument to make. This idea comes from the fact there's so many pinball tournaments at various locations here in Phoenix, and two of the big ones happen at the same time every Tuesday night, and they're right down the street from each other. It would seem as if they're in competition with each other, but it's quite the opposite. They're doing that intentionally because there's an average of 75 players at each location and neither have the ability to host 150 at once. And so what if it's a possibility that the manufacturers are actually working in conjunction with each other on, on this? We all know that some, especially Stern, can't keep up with production. So is it so it is possible they're doing this on purpose to try and catch up on getting games out. It might not seem like a good long-term thing, but look how long Sturm has been backed up, and they're still projected to be backlogged for at least another year. Your thoughts? It's the Aluma Penny. They're all sitting there above. They're sitting above with their mm. secret cabal in the background. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, it's not... Oh... I don't think it's what it is, but I can under I, I can see it as a possibility. I think it's just a matter of timing and how things worked out. But but I could see. I mean, it will. I think it will have that effect whether they intentionally did it or not. Uh, that's just the question: is how many are, are are companies willing to talk to each other behind the scenes and and lay something out like that for the specific purpose of reducing their own sales. Yeah, um I agree with you about the coincidence. I I don't agree with Jake. I don't I don't see this happening. One um 
you know, and I don't know all the rules on collusion. Uh, it may be okay outside of price fixing where it's illegal. That doesn't mean it wouldn't happen, but right. You know, there are rules about that. Uh, here's the, here's the thing, like in terms of Stern and I agree with him about like Stern being behind on production expected to still be behind on production. And Stern knows this Stern's trying to address that by not releasing three cornerstones in a year though. That's their strategy. We need to release fewer games so we can get caught up and not totally alienate people who've been sitting on orders with us for, you know, X number of months. So in, in terms of that, I don't see why they would want to play ball with Jersey Jack and American pinball and all of the rest uh, on like they, you don't need to artificially limit your sales. You're right. They can like if Stern is struggling to keep up, they just need to not release another game. Like that would be the approach. Right. Everyone else, though, I think is desperate in need of sales. So that's also why I don't see the argument outside of Stern. Who does this help? Spooky's got their fixed capacity. Like they've been not they've not really had a major bottleneck as near as I right. know. They've, they didn't seem to have big problems turning out Ultraman and Halloween, and they don't seem to be having trouble currently producing Scooby-Doo's. I think they've built about 100 of them already. So. That is an advantage spooky American pinball. I assume these are assumptions. I assume is desperate for sales because they've been limping along with only doing legends of Valhalla, which they haven't even shipped 500 of. And I don't, I hear that the build on those has not been going quickly, but I also hear the demand is not great. Right. So, so they need something to move units. And so if they need to move units, do you want to try and move units in a crowded marketplace or would you like to move units when you're the only game in town? It would be advantageous to them other than their desperation to bring in money, in my view, to have done this release at a different time. Uh, CGC, uh, you know, I, again, I don't know. Uh, they clearly have been uh, hamstrung by the inability to get the CGC remake LEs out because of all the topper stuff that was happening because they weren't having any problem getting standard editions out. Uh, hearing from like Josh Sharp, the rules designer for Pulp Fiction, this game was done pre-pandemic. That's just at least insane. the bulk, at least the bulk of it. So, so again, it's like I think that. Well, I get the idea. Uh, like what Jake has laid out in terms of the tournament thing and the ability, uh, those are entities that are operating at full capacity. Aside from Stern, who amongst these teams is working at full capacity? I'm assuming the reason why we're on Godfather with JJP right now is Toy Story 4 sales are crap. Yeah. I know they want to do two games a year, but we all heard about the Toy Story. I, like, I know multiple, and it's not just Zach, I know multiple distributors that I communicate with. Toy Story 4 is not a good seller. I'm not surprised. And so it's like AP took for, you know, it's just been forever since the last release. CGC, it's been quite a while since their last release. JJP, they have to go to a new release. Um, Because we're looking at what we saw, uh, Legends of Valhalla and Cactus Canyon Remake in Chicago in October of 21. Mm -hmm. And neither of those companies have put anything else out since. Right. So... We're we're over a year for both of them, so I mean it's a so it's an interesting theory, but but no, I I don't I don't think so. Now, why is it why about it being a bad idea to do it? It's all a level of context. So and and I may have for my part oversimplified a little bit. Like if it comes down between, let's take American Pinball. Let's say that they're hurting for cash right now. 
even though strategically it would have been a lot better in my view, and I think most people would probably agree with me, had they been able to release GTF at 2022 Expo when it wasn't crowded, they would have potentially had more sales than they will here showing it off at TPF against Pulp Fiction, Godfather, Scooby-Doo, Foo Fighters, and and, uh, Final Resistance. I mean, it's just a lot of competition. But if they need sales, it's still smarter to do that than to wait for more months. Right. Because it lets you get started. It lets you yes. it lets you get more time mm-hmm. and there'll be other shows where they'll get in front of people and they'll get maybe right. a few out. People will get some play time. Maybe it'll generate some more interest. Mm-hmm. But the thing that that happens is I think for a lot of pinball collectors uh, at various uh, dollar amounts, even uh, they only have a budget. They can only put so much money into acquiring hardware at a time. All their, like most of the time for me at this point, it's like not only for space reasons, but it's like if I want a new game, I sell a game and that cash goes basically covers a portion of the new game that I want to get. And of course, I, I do that to be able to free up the space. So let's say you normally budget uh, $15,000 in a year for pinball machines, which is that's a pretty hefty amount of money. Yeah. So you, depending on the game, you basically are probably buying one to two machines. Like that's one uh, CE. That would be, uh, you know, two Stern Pros. You know, basically you're going to get one to two games a year. So if you like to make a decision in the spring to buy, and last year your one new thing to look at was Weird Al, and maybe that's what you buy. Let's say you come in this year and you're like, and let's say assume you weren't the Weird Al buyer. Because I want to assume you don't have a P3 yet. So you're like, oh, oh, look, I could get this. I could get Final Resistance. And and uh, cool. I, I love it. I love Scott Denisi. And then you look over over at the Marco booth and you're like, oh, look, Foo Fighters. I grew up with Foo Fighters. Holy crap. I could get that one. And oh, wait, I 15,000. I can't buy the P3 and buy the Pro. Uh, I got to make a choice here. Oh, God, God, Godfather. I love the Godfather. It's so awesome. It's almost as good as Sopranos. I want to get Godfather. I could just get, oh, I could even get the CE. Oh, except they're probably sold out. But maybe I get the LE version instead. Oh my God, they're tanks and they fold up and they shoot ice cream cones. I want ice cream cones. <laughs> Give me the ice cream cones. Oh my God, Pulp Fiction, Uma Thurman, shooter in the heart with a shot. You see, you understand. Bro, so, that's the thing. Whereas if only, if it had been like last year and you had one or maybe two of those, you see, now come around in the fall. You have the scenario where someone could then say, oh, I remember all that excitement when my heart exploded at TPF and I ended up buying uh, final resistance. And so now I, you know, at the I, I've I'm going to spend the rest of my money uh, in the fall and, and get Foo Fighters. Uh, maybe my dollar amounts back up to 15,000 at that point. But there are going to be more releases as well. Right. And as we have seen in pinball repeatedly, once the announcement happens. Like you have the announcement, the, you know, all the teasers and stuff up basically through the gameplay reveal. Usually after that, hype only goes downward. Right. Sometimes games recover based off a of reputation and we see a resurgence. It's never like it initially was, but sometimes you do see a resurgence. Like Stranger Things had a resurgence. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy had a resurgence because the rules got to a place where people are like, this is actually a really good game and we want to get it. Yep. Uh, and sometimes that resurgence is too late. JJP Pirates. People are like, they were really upset at the triple spinning disc and all that going out of the game. They said no to the game. They sell about a thousand units. And then all of a sudden people are like, you know what? Even with those changes, the game's really, really good. That's too late. They're done making them. 
So, so that, so in, in response to Jake, that's kind of where, where I'm at. It's not like a tournament where you, you know, your max capacity is under 150. So you're not really losing out on any money because there's no way you could ever bring in that many people. Um, Stern might be at max, uh, you know, uh, switches, the switches at 100 or, or, you know, princess bride reference, they've thrown it to 50 and they're going at full bore. And that's why probably in part that they're moving into yet another bigger space. Right. But that's not the case for any of these other manufacturers. So aside from Stern, I don't see how this advantage would advantage anyone strategically. And I don't think that Stern plays ball with these other companies and coordinates with them. I think Stern does what Stern wants because Stern's over 80% of the market and they just don't care what anyone else does, nor do they need to quite frankly, because all of these other manufacturers, and it's going to sound a little little uh, mean, and I, I don't want to sound overly mean, but I want to make my point clear. They're not major manufacturers. They just aren't. And I would love to see one of them get themselves to that point, but it's just not happened yet. They talk a good game. They can build. I don't want to imply that they are not manufacturing. Right. They are manufacturing. They are manufacturing at a scale. It is not the industrial operation that Stern is. It's all so second tier. It's like, and the reason I stress that is because I think sometimes people will think like you think Stern and then you think maybe JJP or, or CGC or even possibly Spooky because in a lot of ways, I think Spooky's done a better job about selling and making games than JJP has, not on the quality front, but on the right. quantity front. And, but it's, it's such a step down. It's it ain't even funny. It's not like how it was with Williams versus Sega, where Williams WMS was like seventy five percent of the market, and then at the end, you know, Sega was still twenty five percent. It's it's not like that. Yeah, it, it, they're it all is single completely digit. different. They're all single digit after Stern in percentage of the market. It's just it's just not close. When everybody else in the and when everybody else in the hobby. Total number of built machines does not equal what Stern does by itself. I mean, period. It's just an ongoing problem. So anyway, but thank you, uh, Jake, for the question. I hope that answered it. And uh, no rumor corner. I don't. I have a rumor. You do? I do. All right. Let me drop in the rumor corner music. All right, Tony, what is your rumor? My rumor is that American Pinball is regretting the slow roll on Galactic Tank Force, the teaser, then the teaser, and then a teaser, and then a teaser, because they just got slapped around the head with Godfather and and Foo Fighters and Pulp Fiction. Okay. Uh, you you know what? I'm rumor-tained by that. I, <laughs> I, and I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, it's interesting in terms of rollout. Um, yeah, it, it feels a little too, like, and that kind of gets back to Jake's question. I don't think they would have done this in this rollout fashion had they known all this other stuff was going to happen to him because it no one else is rolling slow like this. So what is this getting you? This is the kind of like slow roll rollouts you get towards the end of the summer, building up for stuff, 
to drop, you know, a month or so before Chicago. Yeah. We've seen that. We've seen that type of role in the past. That's what this role is. If there was nothing else coming out, I could kind of see like, I get the, like, I get the idea and I'm not Mm -hmm. a marketing person, but I like as a, as a consumer, I kind of get the idea of going, Oh yeah, I get it. You're going to be like here this week. We're going to show you a little bit about the, the animation and the voice work and who the cast is. And now we're going to, Show you a little bit more that this is not just going to be about tanks. It's also going to be about ice cream. And then we're going to show you a little bit more about like the, the weird tank uh, shape and how it folds up. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, drip, 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 drip. Meanwhile, you know, Stern does its usual like three day, you know, 72 hour reveal process. JJP does something really, really similar. Uh, you know, we get the. We get the game. We already got the gameplay. We had the featurettes with Godfather yep. and Pulp Fiction. So you get to dive in deep and figure out like what their logic was on the rules and what it was like to work on the license. And it's and it's going to be, and you're going to get to try it all. And then it's like, we know Galactic Tank Force is coming. The very first trailer, we had to like a little six-point font of yeah. Galactic Tank Force in the name. It's Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say in the comic book guy, worst rollout ever. But of these games coming out, it is the worst rollout. Right. And it's not necessarily that it was a, a bad plan. Reality just means it's because they should have pivoted. They should have pivoted because the first it's like, oh, here's my teaser. Foo Fighters smacked him upside the mm. head. Okay. Well, here's the second teaser that shows a little bit more. Godfather. Well, here's my third teaser and we'll have our big reveal next week. Pulp Fiction. It's like, what are you doing? You're like you're like Rocky wa- walking into every punch you're from just, Creed. You're just taking every, every single it's just one. Like, I got to got you. What is a strategy? I'm wearing him out. I think that was the actually. I think that was the strategy on Clubber Lang. But anyway, um, just trying to get him to break his fist. That's right. my job. Yes. yes. Okay. Very rumortainy. Thank you for that one. Uh, video games, Tony. Video games. Short snippet because pinball went very long. Mm, yeah. Uh, so uh, the big things in video games uh, is continuing the saga of the micro Microsoft Activision buyout. Uh, the EU regulators have pushed back their decision date from the end of April to the 22nd of May based upon some new stuff from the uh, concessions Microsoft has given out. Okay. Um, Sony mm. is claiming that in their opinion – Microsoft could intentionally put bugs into the PS4 and PS5 versions of Call of Duty and be slow to fix them uh, intentionally to hurt PlayStation sales and that they are going to raise the price only on the PlayStation versions, Uh, even though Microsoft has pledged that they'll have Call of Duty for 10 years and they're going to release everything at parity between the Xbox and the PlayStation versions identically at all times. But <sighs> I remember it, reading about this and I was like, how desperate are you at this? But you're actually going to go and accuse them of deliberately sabotage. I mean, it will make yeah. it will make their brand look bad to do that. The UK uh, uh, regulators have been releasing some of the information uh, from their deliberations and talking stuff. And Sony has told the UK regulators uh, that Sony cannot protect against the loss of Call of Duty. They can't survive not having Call of Duty. I don't, I can't believe it though. They're the biggest, they're the largest market share. They say they have nothing first person that can even come close to competing with the kind of money Call of Duty. Even, even their big games like God of War and the and they, the, they, and the they, hide in the tall grass game. What's yeah. that one where you're the girl and the robot dinosaurs? 
What's that? That's a, that's I remember a, it, but I don't remember what it is. Event Horizon? No, Event... Uh, 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 Horizon Zero Dawn. Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. That's a big one. They say uh, that the largest amount of money that they have ever spent, PlayStation, for a first-party game for development, was God of War. And it was less than half of what gets spent every year for development of Call of Duty. Hmm. They claim that they have nothing in the first-person shooter uh, genre that can even compete with Call of Duty. Their 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 discussion with the UK makes it basically clear that if Call of Duty is pulled from PlayStation, PlayStation goes away, which I think is crap. I yeah, this it's uh, it's especially but with the pledge of ten years, they would be able to off ramp to something in theory. In theory, uh, if they wanted I, to, I think even if I think even, and if, that's assuming Microsoft wouldn't want to let them have it after ten years and not make again. They Minecraft, they Minecraft put on exactly. that every. It's a, it's a cash cow. Why would you? Why would you dry up your milk on your cow? Why would you stop making money? Why would you stop exactly? Why would you stop making competitors? Why would you stop having your competitors do tons of the work and then still I pay just, you for it? It I, makes no sense. But, I mean, if they're going around also saying that they think Microsoft's going to stick in bugs on purpose and stuff, I mean, this is like full-fledged, like, sabotage yeah, style, no, it style is, logic. It is, it, it is crazy. I think they're saying that because that's what they do. But oh, Ouch. But uh, Microsoft um, has inked more deals. Uh, they they have they have finalized a ten year deal with Nintendo and Nvidia. Plus, they've finalized a ten year deal with two other cloud uh, streaming services uh, based in Europe that they have ten year deals with. So um, they're still making concessions. They're doing this. The Microsoft has come out and said, uh, which I have a hard time believing, but. And they've said they see no issues with getting Call of Duty playable at good quality on the Switch. Hmm. So that's interesting. That that's their goal is to put Call of Duty out on the Switch. Hmm. Probably a buggy version. Yeah, intentionally buggy that's so right. people don't buy Switches. That's right. And then the whole goal <laughs> will be to make it so Nintendo is dependent on Call of Duty, and then when it's taken away, they'll go out of business. Yes, because that's what's going to happen. That's to what Nintendo. happens. Um. Uh, Star Citizen. Now, I saw this comment in our Discord that something was going on with Star Citizen, and I'm I I haven't I haven't read anything about it. They put out a major update moving towards a uh, full game release. <gasps> it's only been several years. Yes, uh, it, it's. I mean, we're still they're still in alpha, but what they've done is they've added a persistence engine so that the universe is now persistent. So, like, if I walked into a room and I picked up a cup and then I got in my ship and I flew to another planet and I landed on that planet and I walked into a cave and draw and set that cup down on a rock and flew away. That cup will stay there. And if somebody comes into that cave six months from now, that cup will still be sitting there. Okay. I don't know why you did that with that cup, but right. I but get it. Just, I get the concept. It, okay. That's the basic. So concept. they haven't been doing that currently. No, they've been doing stuff when it's out of draw long enough. It, it'll cease okay. to exist unless it's certain types of special. This is for everything, everything that is player interactable and movable, as opposed to like before the only things that would be kept would be like very certain specialty inventory type items. Um, they also added salvaging as a profession, but there's been some bugs. Uh, they 
had an unexpectedly large number of players who've not logged in in a long time come back. So they've been having major server issues. Mm. Uh, uh, and, and in addition to like game breaking bugs and everything got to the point where it was so bad, they actually had to take the servers offline for a while to do emergency maintenance. Wow. Uh, the servers are back up, but people are still having issues logging on and they're still, ha- they're still fighting with a variety of issues, uh, there. So, uh, they're working on it. So I don't know how much of it was because this was such a major, large, uh, rollout patch, uh, and how much of it was that they DDoS themselves basically by having so many people come back to the fold, um, but we'll see. It's a it's a major upgrade for a game that's n- will never be released, I, and I haven't played since like before it was actually you could even fly ships. Uh, even though I, I I am a a, You're a backer. original backer. You're a backer. Um, and for the final thing, E uh, three Microsoft has confirmed they will have no sh- they will have no presence at E three. They are going to do a digital event that is co-streamed in E3 branded, mm. but they won't be at E3 proper. Oh, okay. Uh, and um, Nintendo has stated with the new Legend of Zelda launching at $70, mm. but they're not. that's not standard pricing for all future titles. They are going to price games on a title-by-title basis. Okay. So all the good ones will be seventy. So all the good ones, yeah. will be seventy. The ones everybody wants will <laughs> right, be right. seventy. All the all the major first party ones. Yes, and that's it. Awesome. Okay, well, uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks to do our TPF recap. Yes, we will. That's the plan, at least as it stands. So until then, if you want to reach out to us, you can email us at collecticgamerspodcast.gmail.com. You can visit us at facebook.com slash collecticgamerspodcast. And you can also support the show with as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash eclectic underscore gamers. We're available on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram. And this is the time of year when I actually actively use Instagram pretty decently Mm. for TPF when I don't forget uh, at eclectic underscore gamers. And uh, we'll talk to you all in a couple of weeks and, or at the show. So until then, I am Dennis. I am Tony. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.